Hello and welcome to the Michael Mamas Show. I'm your host, Michael Mamas, and we're coming to you from Mount Soma, home of the Sri Sameshwara Temple in the mountains of Western North Carolina. Um, I wasn't going to really do any current events today, but I think briefly, I, I just would like to mention a couple of things before we get onto the real topic of uh, today's podcast. One thing is that um, Russia and China right now are trying to create a gold-backed currency to displace the uh, dollar uh, as, as the currency that is traded in internationally. Uh, I don't know that they'll succeed. They're both having, certainly China's having financial problems. But uh, if they did succeed, that would be a major change in, uh, in uh, the world economics and, and uh, financial and global security in that regard. Um, the value of the dollar would crumble. Uh, anyway, I don't think it will happen, but it's something to keep our uh, attention on, I think. The other thing is that the uh, cartels in um Mexico, you know, in Vedic science, uh, Stapatyavid, Vedic architecture, the southern entrance, uh, one has to be very careful with the southern entrance, uh, as I've talked about in other podcasts. In Mexico, that's all the southern entrance to the United States. And, uh, you know, they talk about it <coughs> as bringing death and destruction and things like that. And it is interesting that um, with the border being so open and everything going on, uh, it is a problem, a horrible problem. And now, evidently, the Mexican cartels, one major Mexican cartel is trying to overthrow the Mexican government, which is, you know, wow. staggering, really. Yeah. And then uh, the different Mexican cartels are fighting among themselves. And one pretty strange thing is that... Um, uh, it appears that the CIA is funding some of the Mexican cartels. And, and I guess the theory behind it is they're trying to get those cartels to fight the cartel that's trying to take over the Mexican government just so that the Mexican government stays uh, in power. I don't it's know. Fun it's funny, Mike Michael, I was just thinking of why you were talking about all of this stuff. It's like, about all the infighting that we're having here. And that's mm. when all of this stuff creeps in. And it's just like, we go do that to other places. We've done it in Nicaragua, Panama, you know, all these places where we send just look, Afghanistan to Russia, you know. The we CIA send, has made a lot of really big messes throughout the world for sure. Well, well it all to serve our interests too. But we got to remember now it's like people are playing that same thing against us yeah. too. You know, it's like, That's okay, true. yeah. You know oh, I mean? yeah. China certainly is trying That's to undermine the United States from within in many different ways. Fat yeah. Mill to mention just one of many. But uh, at any rate, I, um, Sorry, I, I mean, mean, we could make all podcasts out yeah. of talking about this, but I, let's get on with... Um, uh, this idea of fundamentals of freedom. Um, 
we do really well, even with what we've just talked about uh, in this podcast, um, before we even got started, really. Uh, we do well to take a look at, you know, how we process that. Where, where do we go with that? And, and even more importantly, I think, is, is why. What's the mechanics of how our minds work, how our psyches work? how our emotions function and how things touch us in the way that they do and why. And uh, uh, so it's something that affects how we metabolize all thoughts, all emotions, all experiences, everything we observe, everything we hear. And so, so we do very, you know, well to, um, well, that's why I say reevaluate how we roll, how we function, um, and how that creates our uh, our priorities and and our value system. And it's 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 not so easy to do uh, as it may sound. Uh, and there are many examples of that we could cite to give in, give feeling, to give some healing for the whole dynamic. But, and, but one of them is that how we function on the surface, how we behave on the surface uh, doesn't define who we are in our essence. And that may sound, saying it that way may sound self-evident, but a lot of times people don't feel that way. If you say something stupid or if you make a mistake or if you do something wrong, uh, it's very difficult to admit to for many people, particularly uh, to themselves, to admit it to themselves, let alone to other people, because it's sort of like it creates a feeling of you know self-annihilation, self um compromise uh and that's a that's a horrible position to be in though it's a very common one because we all say stupid things you know and we all make mistakes uh but it doesn't define us as a person you're not defined by the dumbest things that you do in life you know though society can be a very harsh judge our peers can be very harsh judges and um, that can be the way people function. And, and also, you know, life is like, I like to compare it to a, a sailboat, the tax, you know, if you're going from point A to point B, it's not a straight line. You go this way, then you go that way, then you go that way. And finally you arrive at the other shore. But too, too often if we, cast our sail in a particular direction and then we shift we feel like oh what a big mistake i made you know how horrible and it's it's not that way it's not that way we have a feeling for a direction we want to go in life and so we put the boat in the water and we move forward and then we see where we end up and we adjust accordingly uh Also, 
as the process goes on, and this is all these things are continuing processes. They're not a conclusion we come to and then we live our life accordingly. Uh, but we do well to take a look at our, our value system. What what is really important to us now? For for essentially everybody, what's most important is family. You know, and okay, good. But that's and that's valid. But there's more to life, and that's that's a given. You know, and so. But what more is there to life? And what what are those goals? And how do those goals fit into what we what what in in uh, Maharshi Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, he talks about the samskaras, the impressions. We have impressions on the mind, and they're the result of the sum total of all the karmic experiences that have imposed upon the mode of function of our consciousness, of our awareness, of our thoughts and our emotions. And those are our karma. The, some, our samskaras are our karma. And so we do very well to reevaluate because particularly in, in, the, in the world today, I guess particularly in the West, or I don't know, it could be a whole global phenomenon, but uh, one thing that people put a huge emphasis on is, is uh, becoming wealthy, making money. And that becomes a priority in life that overshadows what is really important in life for the individual. Uh, and we end up chasing that, you know, dangling carrot, that ice cream cone in the sky uh, of trying to get, make money. And, 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 and uh, it overshadows our relationships with people, our relationships with life, and it compromises our real goal. And we, people may say, oh, my, what's most important to me is my family and also my spiritual growth. Well, we can say that and we can feel that on some level when we think about it, but are we, are we really living it? Uh, how much of our life are, do we spend pursuing things um, like money or material things that aren't really as important to us as perhaps they should be? And a lot of that is, is the samskaras, you know, uh, the, the impressions on the mind. Scotty, you've, you've talked in the past about currents and things like that. You know, like we used to talk about the divine currents and you, you, people that apologize. Some of these things that affect how they do things. A lot of that has to do with that early on, it seems too. like I know some people that they kind of want to be perfect, you know, and so they're not apt to say I'm sorry or anything else like, you know, maybe you could. I don't know, talk about we we paint ourselves into so many different kind of corners, and it's 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 so much about how the mind functions. Some people have to be perfect, and and uh, uh, have to appear perfect, and when they don't, it's just unbearable. Uh, they have to dress perfectly. They have to look perfectly. Their house to be in perfect has to be in perfect order. It becomes so dominant to their life, and it's a some scar. It's a conditioning. It's a programming. Some people become so committed to a cause or a belief, even a spiritual belief. P 
people pick up a, a book, uh, you know, pick up the Bhagavad Gita, pick up different spiritual uh, literature, Vedic literature, uh, or other spiritual literature, other religious literature, and they create a, a mindset, a mentality of what that means. And then they attempt to conform to that, thinking that if they can conform to their impression, their notion of what that means, then they're a spiritual person. I'd like to say, though, that echoes of truth perceived as truth hold truth at bay. And so even in, even in the name of our pursuit of, of knowledge, there needs to be a, a, a humility around it. Otherwise, it becomes a fanaticism. And I, I've, I've known people that they create, they hear great lectures from great spiritual teachers and read the literature, and they create this model in their mind. And they cling so ardently to that model that even though they uh, are, are meditating properly and eating properly and doing all these different things, at the same time, they're white knuckling onto this notion of what it means to be spiritual. And if they can just live up to that, then it, it's, it's a lie, you know? And, and, and so we end up lying to ourselves. Um, uh, and that is the greatest form of self-betrayal is lying to ourselves, you know? And, and so we, we constantly need to reevaluate. Uh, that's why I like to say when the master speaks, it immediately ceases to be what the master said and becomes what the listener heard. And uh, 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 a lot of these models, these notions, these ideas about what it means to be better or evolved or whatever, they become uh, judgment systems where we judge ourselves and we judge other people and, and they become like these impossible things to really truly align with. Why is it impossible? Because it's not natural. It's not inherent in our nature. It's a samskara. It's a programming. It's inherent only into some model that we've indoctrinated ourselves into believing that if we could just align with that, we'd be a better person, we'd be a more spiritual person. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Humility is the flip side of wisdom, okay? Uh, Michael, in the past, some people have asked me, what, what are some uh, tools or things that I can do to kind of check myself or get myself not to just act like from the hip, so to speak, uh, but to like establish that, you know, you know, it's a it's a funny thing. Um, this might be a little tangential, Scotty, but if if people, generally speaking, if you have a group of people, and there's a there becomes a very spontaneous consensus, if you will, of uh, the perspective the group would have on each individual. Uh, and I say it that way because, you know, there can be people who have issues with one another, obviously. Uh, and so if one person was to evaluate, if you will, another person that could be coming from their samskaras and from their wounding and from their bias about the person. But there is a group consensus. 
And uh, if you give voice to that group consensus to the group, uh, as long as, you know, and then it wouldn't be harsh, it wouldn't be hateful, it wouldn't be negative, but there would be a, an honesty to it, you know? And, and the group I've experienced finds it very refreshing if it's done in that honorable, respectful way where you're also honoring the divinity that lies deeper. You see, all that stuff is on the surface. What lies deeper in every individual is the divine. And if you can see that divine and feel that, I mean, that's called love, you know. And if you can feel that divine about the other person and also see then uh, what they're doing on the surface by virtue of there's some scars and their woundings and like that. Uh, if a person could hear that about themselves, it would be incredibly constructive, incredibly helpful. But by and large, they can't. They can't. Because it's the very thing that they're struggling so hard to live a life in denial of. For example, if a person just needs to be right all the time and needs to um, uh, not let anyone see that they're compromised, you know, inside or however you might want to say it, uh, to pull to show that to them, to hold up a mirror for them to see that is just unbearable, and they don't want to hear it. So what happens is all that. All they can do to manage all of that is to go after the messenger, reject the person that's saying it. So you see, the point is they can't hear it. I know in my years of teaching in classes, very commonly, really, somebody would come up and say, you know, I know you can see, I see you work with people and I, I you can see, you know, what's going on with them and you're... I can take it. Just tell me, tell me what's going on with me, you know? And I, I, I think I always respond by saying that it just, that just doesn't work because there's an, a finesse and an art and, and a, uh, a delicacy. We're in very subtle ter- terrain here. Human individuals are incredibly vulnerable creatures, particularly when you start taking a look at, you know, these things like their, some scars, their wounds, their issues, how they formulate a whole mindset, tiptoeing around all of that to try to feel okay about themselves. I mean, even better than okay, feel good about themselves. And so you just can't go in there with a battering ram or a sledgehammer, you know? Um, And so really, to get to what you're bringing up, it, it, it's got to, it's a process of self-reflection and it's not an easy process. And it's not something you just do and say, okay, I've done that. It's an ongoing process. It, it's a never ending process. Um, and it's one where we at least need to uh, reevaluate, to reassess, to consider and to reconsider and, and to realize, and even this is a hard one, to realize our current worldview is not accurate. 
we have biases, we have conditionings. If you don't have any of that going on, okay, great. Now you're, you know, Jesus Christ or Lord Krishna or somebody. I mean, it's just, it doesn't work that way. And so what it becomes then is what's our relationship with the fact that we have these um, limitations, if you will. What's our relationship with it? Easy to say, okay, I'm fine with it. I get it. Another thing to actually be that way. Uh, uh, failure is another one. Um, so it can be very difficult to accept failure, especially if you, like Scotty was talking about, some people need to be perfect. Other people need to be right. Um, uh, uh, other people just need to be unconditionally loved all the time. And feeling that somebody doesn't love them is just annihilating in their experience, you know, uh, it's a delicate thing because you can't just tell yourself, oh, okay, well, I don't need to be right anymore. And okay, fine, I'm fine with that being. Or, oh, okay, that person doesn't love me and it's very hurtful, but oh, okay, I'm, I'm bigger than that and I really don't care. Those are all just forms of denial. So what we're talking about here is an exploration, a tilling of the soil of our own inner dynamic. And that in and of itself is something that a lot of people are horrified to the idea of, of doing that, you know? Um, but it's, it's essential because if you're trying to, if you're meditating with the intent of facilitating the welling up of that inner divinity, and as it wells up through different levels of your being, if there's a particular level of your being, your beliefs about who you are, your beliefs about life, your beliefs about the world, your willingness or not willingness to consider political situations is another example. And that becomes like a cap that you've put on top of this divinity that's welling up from meditation and life like that. And, and you can suppress that evolution all, even in the name of evolving. Oh, I know that if I'm going to evolve, I think this, I believe this, I hold on to this, and this will make me a good spiritual person. And it's not, it's just an echo of truth, perceived as truth. And, and then used as an encumbrance on your life. So the, so the guiding light within, it, it's an abstraction. We look for concretions. Okay, just tell me, and okay, what am I supposed to believe? But it's not a concretion. It's an abstraction. And, and, and uh, uh, sometimes it's the, and then the process is referred to as a breaking of boundaries freeing ourselves from the, the chains, even the golden chains of our belief systems about divinity, you see? But it's not on no holds barred either. It's not about, okay, just let it go and dance, what was that? Dylan saw in it, dance beneath the diamond sky with one hand waving free. That's not freedom. That's not emancipation. That's not living beyond boundaries because it's all, Oh, lack of a better word, perhaps tempered, if you will, by our own inner sense of our own inner divinity, not our emotions, even about what's right and what's wrong, but but it's that which lies deeper than that, and and uh, and and beginning more and more to function from that place of wisdom, and humility is the flip side of wisdom. Wisdom means in sight. You see. 
that's why I like to say that, you know, just quoting wise quotes doesn't make you wise, you know. True learning means moving beyond what you know. It's not just a reinforcement of what you already know. You know, it's not just having a foundation of a belief system and then getting better and better at that belief system and piling up higher and deeper and thinking, okay, great. Now I have more knowledge. Now I am more wise. It's, that's not the way it works. Always be willing to reevaluate, reflect, ponder. And if you have a raw spot, if there's a place where you realize, man, I just can't go there. Or really, if people that love you, if you keep getting the same kind of feedback or the same kind of interaction, uh, that might be, probably is, a uh, invitation, a, a signpost to say, hey, you know, maybe you should look at that. You know, maybe we should work with that. Uh, um, your self worth is not defined by the surface of your life. You know. Some nice quotes I saw. There's that movie, uh, The Gladiator with Russell Crowe. And at one point he, he said, uh, what we do in life echoes in eternity. See, now, that's pretty cool. And it, there's truth to it. It's your karma that gets carried you know, throughout eternity, really. But life is so paradoxical because that is not a definition of who you are, you see? Uh, another quote I saw that I liked said, to believe in the heroic makes heroes. But what do we mean by the heroic there? That's the key. Is the heroic based on our identity or is it based upon that inner knowing that inner divinity that lies beyond our preconceived notions of what it means to be a hero so there's so many different ways to explore this one way might be well who are your heroes who are your heroes and why why are they your heroes and what have you projected upon them that maybe isn't even who they are, but you're projecting it upon them because that makes them conform to your preconceived notions based upon your scars and your conditioning. So all these things are tools for exploration. Meditation certainly is number one, but number two is exploring your value system, your belief systems. And number three is distinguishing between the, Intense feelings and deep feelings. Your deepest feelings are probably not your most intense feelings. Your intense feelings can be emotions that are stirred by all sorts of different things. Uh, uh, passion, hatred, hurt, anger. Those can be very intense emotions, sorrow, grief, intense emotions. But deep emotions are, are more coming from a finer fabric in life a level of profundity, 
and, and, and as we go more and more deeply within, those finer feelings become more abstract. You see, truth is not a concretion, real truth of the capital T. It's an abstraction. It's not a thing. It's not things. It's not notions that lies beyond all that. And so just this exploration, we say, well, what can we do to, to facilitate that? Well, this is the doing. This is part of the doing. Reflecting about the nature of these things, reflecting about the nature of life, reflecting about the, the nature of spiritual growth and what it really means. What it really means. Superficial notions of spiritual growth are doors wide open to a path of left-handed tantra. Left-handed tantra means, you know, turn open your third eye so you see light flood in and you're feeling all these emotions of euphoria or whatever. It's basically heroin without the drug, you know. Uh, human evolution is a culturing process. It's a culturing process. It's a refinement process. Anything else, Scotty? Uh, that was just making me think back to when I was, you know, working in the corporate environment. We had the sales team. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I tried to bring as much of what we would talk about into, like, the training and stuff. And it was funny because you'd have different types of salespeople that would all either come from just, like, logical, like a logical point of view those people weren't ever very good, you know, but when they did make a sale, they usually didn't lose the sale because there's, uh, and then there was, I don't understand that when they, when they did make a sale, they didn't lose the sale. What they didn't mean? lose the sale. So it didn't cancel. Like they did. The people didn't change their mind because it made logical sense to them. What they were, what we were being presented to them. Right. Mm. And, and, but, the, the, they weren't very good. They they weren't on the top of the sales board, but the, there were different types of salespeople. Some of them sold with emotion, a lot of emotion. And they would get people to do it, but there was no structure underneath it where it, it made logical sense. So a lot of times they had high cancellation rates, right? Where people would, yeah. they would initially buy it because I'm all, oh yeah, I got it. This is great but they'd had no strata to rest on. Yeah. You know, and uh, it was funny because, you know, I, well, I would, see the problem with sales a lot of times is that yeah. you're not trying to help the person find what they really want. Right. You're trying to convince them of what you want them to want. Right. And so but there are all different ways of doing that, but now yeah, that's where it was. It was fun to try to get these people to do the different mm -hmm. things. You had to use emotion. You had to use feeling. You had to use logic, you know, you had to use all of these things, you know, but also that's the way we work too. It seems like that would be good for people to know is that emotion gets you to move in directions. A lot of times, you know, you were talking about sailing. It's like the emotion. It's, it's the difference between trying to inspire people in a direction versus really trying to help them again, find what it is they really want, who it is they right. really are. And those can be two very different things. Sure. Yeah. And there are different ways to inspire people, logic, emotion. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. some people are just, are, are, are 
inspired by logic versus emotion. There you go. You know, so there's a combination. That's yeah. why I said with these people, they had to use all of these things because when they used one without the other, yeah. then they, they didn't make the sale because they didn't get them emotionally involved. Yeah. You know, or they didn't get the feeling involved. Like you, you know, were about, you're, you know. you're making me think. I I gave yeah. this um, lecture once to a whole faculty of uh, high school faculty, big high school, and they were concerned because there was you know a lot of problems in the high schools. There were some suicides. There was, uh, uh, I think, drug abuse, and it just was a mess. And uh, so I went and I was talking with the whole faculty. There were some students. I think the students were mostly graduates at this point. Just a small handful of students. It was basically the, the faculty. And I mean, I, this sounds pretty harsh. I don't know if I've ever said this in public or not before. But it became self-evident to me that the problem had more to do with not what the faculty did or what they tried to do or what they tried to offer, but who they were, how they functioned. They functioned from such a um, pinball machine kind of superficially oriented world and, and, and so that's what they were really, and regardless of everything else, I, on the level of persona, that's what they were conveying to these kids. I mean, they weren't helping. They were hurting. But how do you tell them that in a, you know, one or two or three, I forget how long the three-hour maybe conference lecture was. The best, and so I guess in that sense, it's been said, you know, the, the best way to help other people is to help yourself, you know? And and they were not, I really didn't get the impression at all that they were open to hearing that, you know? They were, they were, had this basically belief system of what it meant to have it together. And that's what they all did. And there was a kind of a group consensus and agreement there that this is, we have it together because we, And so how do you break through that, you know? Um, maybe this podcast would have helped them as individuals. <laughs> Does that make sense, Scotty? Yeah, no, I mean, it's just yeah. something's got to get people like, you're talking about tilling that soil, questioning. It's like we're, um, the, the kids just got really into playing chess. And uh, there's this chess.com, you know, and so they're all playing and, you know, one would get really excited because, oh, I got them now. And then, you know, then all of a sudden they'd stop. They, they'd take their foot off the gas. And you could tell, I was like, don't get cocky because somebody could come and get you, you know. Yeah, this thing about chess, you know, one one stupid move, even if you're yeah, ahead. it changes the whole thing. So I said, it's, it's like always be in that, you know, checking and looking and never, you know, like thinking you're there, but you're always exploring and, you know, trying to get that mindset in them so that they, you know, run through the finish line versus like, okay, 
I got this race and I, now I'm going to let off the gas and I'm going to walk through the finish. It's well, so, so much about knows. being open yeah. to that which lies beyond your current um, world of acceptability. It's easy to function if you stay within the world of what's acceptable to you. But where's the growth in that, you know? And again, it's not about blowing it open. It's a, it's a, it's a subtle thing. And, and it's become so paradoxical. The whole world is paradoxical. It's having strong opinions, but being opinionless. It's having passion, but being passionless. And I guess the best way to say that would be that your, your opinions, your passions, they come up from the depth of your being. They don't come up from a field of uh, programming, of indoctrination, of samskara, you know. And even thinking about that, even working with that, even be willing to take a look at it. Few people are. And even fewer are capable, really, of doing it in, uh, in a highly effective manner. So we just do our best with it. We just do our best with it. All right. I think that's it for this week. Anything else, Scotty? No, I'm Okay, and we'll talk with you again next week. Thanks for listening. I hope you found this helpful, and uh, we'll talk with you again next week.